Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Uh, thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Huggins & Scott Auctions, and Heritage Auctions. This is the first time I've ever done a Dueling Questions that is uh, topical. So I just thought, aware of David's outstanding background in football, and I thought, I'll just limit my questions to football. I thought he wouldn't have too much trouble limiting his questions to football. So he was all for it. This is Dueling Questions, football edition. I may do a, a basketball Dueling Questions with Adam Gray at some point in the future. Adam, if you're listening, and uh, maybe hockey with uh, Jeremy Lee. It should be even more fun. I love the spontaneity. David was a good sport. David, welcome to this special football edition of Dueling Questions. You know the drill. You go first, then I go second. We're not trying to top each other as much as come up with interesting questions, hopefully some sports card insights for our listeners. This is strictly about football, debuting this concept with you. David Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. This will be fun. Football is pretty much a quarterback sport when it comes to who gets the most attention, who gets the most value in the hobby, which I think it makes it unique as opposed to the other sports. But the way that the NFL is played now are you seeing and do you expect to see more players, more skilled players, maybe particularly wide receivers, get a little bit more respect and attention in the hobby that quarterbacks have traditionally owned the vast majority of that? How do you see that kind of playing out? We used to work together, not that closely, but apparently close enough that my first question to you is almost exactly that question. So I can't believe it. Uh, my question to you is going to be, so maybe we'll just bat this around and that'll be round one, but ranking the positions in football. And I think mm -hmm. it's evolving, as you've pointed out. Quarterbacks have always been number one. They probably always will be number one, especially in the present day NFL with the way the rules are and all that. However, running backs used to be in second place. I think receivers now, based on their longevity and less injuries and for various reasons. You could mm -hmm. see it even in the draft order now. So there's some relationship there, but offensive linemen, there's a few that have a following. The defensive stats, anyway, of interceptions for the safeties and the DBs and sacks for some of the uh, linebackers and pass rushing defensive ends. But the skill positions, I think it used to be quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and now receivers and running backs have flipped. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Because Aaron Donald is is this amazing defensive player, and yet he's not even in the atmosphere of the offensive skill position. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think receivers are going to continue to rise and just take over, especially when you have somebody really break out and like DK Metcalf, he was, I think, the ninth receiver drafted a few years ago, and, and then he just became a superstar. And we've had four Alabama wide receivers yep. drafted in the first round in the past two years. So there's no question that there's a massive focus on that. So it's interesting to see that and then have that reflected in the hobby of, of what collectors are, are, are focused on and, and what they like to jump on, because everybody likes to get a jump on the next guy. DK Metcalf, he may have been the ninth receiver chosen that year, but he was the most physically gifted. You're right from the get-go. No doubt. Now he's got a highlight that people will never forget. That's right. what is correlated with collecting. It's not just your statistics. It's, is this somebody that's special that I have an image in my mind when I think of them in their big moment? Okay. Your second question, because I think that you answered mine okay. and yours. I'm obviously a huge college football guy. That's my number one. So we have all these changes coming down with the NCAA now allowing 
these college athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness. And individual states are getting on board with this. Texas just signed a bill allowing this starting, I think, July 1. I I think that's going to be a massive change in what we see some of these star college football players in particular. Football's number one in, in college, I think. How do you see that affecting the industry, maybe with autograph signings, they can't be tied directly to their school with this. So it it can't be Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback. It just has to be Trevor Lawrence quarterback when he's making an appearance or something. How do you see the the changes spilling over into collecting? It affects football and basketball. Let's just focus on football because as we said, we're going to do, but I think it brings into question one of these difficult to resolve issues that everybody has an opinion. That is the single license sports one license per sport if panini has football and basketball for that matter panini has football if there's name image and likeness rights that are not part of the players association not part of nfl properties then there's an opportunity for another company upper deck for example has looked like they've made some not such stealth moves but they bought this spry company or whatever that's going to get an end perhaps into that that brings more competition many collectors think more competition among licensees and the card companies would be refreshing would be innovative would be bringing some creativity i'm hoping that's what happens what i don't want is chaos you look back over the years there have always been some college related sports card producers that had reasonably successful runs for a while the group licensing is important, David. This individual thing, when you disconnect the player from the college and they're disconnected from the pros, again, if there's a way to pull it together, it might suggest that there'll be a union or association of college athletes that are independent of the schools, as you said, but there's smart attorneys and entrepreneurs thinking about this right now. And like I say, as long as it's not chaos and a bunch of single player sets, I don't think we need that, but I still think at the heart, people like to complete sets or have some collection that has some cohesion. Okay, my question for you is not exactly that, but I'll let you pick either the Cowboys or the Longhorns. But you are contacted by one of those organizations and saying, David, you come highly recommended to us. We'd like to hire you. And for a full-time position, you can stay where you are with your family. You don't have to relocate unless you want to. But what would be the job that they would be offering you that you would be excited about to jump all over. It's either the Cowboys or the Texas Longhorns, a dream job for you working for one of those organizations. What would it be? What would be your duties? What would be your title? Are you the coach? <laughs> Are you the general manager? Are you the head of scouting? Definitely the Longhorns. Helping promote the program, promote the team, writing articles, interviewing players, helping tell their stories. I I, I love interviewing players and like figuring out what their real story is and and going out there and telling it. And I I think that's going to be huge, even for this college athletics name image likeness deal. Texas launched a program called Leverage. And it's basically uh, teaching financial literacy. It's teaching branding. So it's indirectly, I think, laying the groundwork to help some of these players make some of these decisions with all these opportunities that are going to come their way. I would love to be you know, uh, part of something like that, like helping build up the brand of these players and telling their stories and who they are and their personalities and things like that. Yeah, just creating content, telling stories, but it, it would definitely be the Longhorns. Okay. Cowboys loss, Longhorns gain. Okay. Actually, you could do that. (laughs) I hope that happens, David. Okay. Your turn. 
Yeah, no, I've written content for burnorangenation.com. There's a magazine called Horns Illustrated that covers all Texas sports. And yeah, I've done that to some degree. So it's that's been a lot of fun. Your turn. Question for me. All right, vintage football. Obviously, over the past year, the hobby has seen just incredible action and, and a rise. But as you look at some of the key vintage football cards, Unitas rookie card, 58 Jim Brown, those have seen a decent gain. Do you see that as just riding the wave of what happened in the overall industry? Or do you also see that, hey, maybe some of these vintage football cards are finally getting their due compared to you know what we've seen with base- vintage baseball historically, they're, that they're just riding the wave or vintage football finally getting some, some uh, overdue attention? But it's both, but it's more the ripple. It's more the wake. Basically, when baseball goes way up or basketball goes way up, people think, hey, what about football? So I don't think football was the initial movement. But I think people realize that some of those football cards were, they're not just undervalued, they're underproduced. But if you go back to, you're saying 57 United is 58 Jimmy Brown, there are less of them made than 57 Mantles and Mazes in baseball. They made less football cards. So does that mean football cards are getting their due? It's it's eventually going to get back to supply and demand. And there is lower supply. And football is way more popular now than it was in the 50s. So you could see some correction has come. Now, whether it continues, because like I said, there's half as many Jimmy Browns as there are Mickey Mantles in 58, way less than half, I would mm-hmm. say. You could check that on the pop reports and all that. They made less of them, and he was an amazing star. And we're talking about the running backs, but he was somebody that walked away from the game, you know, being probably the greatest runner up to that time, and pretty hard to argue that he's not so iconic and Johnny and Ninus, all that stuff. Yeah, I think they're getting their due. But in today's analytical hobby, where there's a lot of big data, people are always going to be comparing and contrasting and thinking, now, is football a better deal now? Football was a stupendous deal two years ago. Now, it may still be a really good deal. So, yeah, I think it's getting its due. I think it's it was overdue, and it's a welcome sight. I, I think the fact that the hobby is now multi-sport is really positive. So, yeah, vintage football, it's just tough. And there are condition rarities as well, because the quality control wasn't any better for football than it was for baseball. Okay, my turn. Football, particularly of all the sports, I think, maybe hockey's a little bit like this, but mainly football, I think it's difficult to separate out team success from individual success. You've got uh, an outstanding defensive line, and I think the players somehow know, and the aficionados kind of know that of the four guys on, if it's a 4-3, the four guys on the defensive line, one of them is the stud, one of them is the all-pro, one of them is the MVP. But if the other three were no good, there has to be a guy that's the great running back that gains a lot of yards. Doing that with a terrible offensive line, that's amazing. I've always thought when players are being drafted, I'd want to get a quarterback that had a terrible offensive line and he was able to make quick decisions because he had no time. You don't have an individual batting average. You don't have a shooting percentage. There are advanced analytics for football. When you're looking at Tom Brady, he gets a lot of credit for winning a bunch of Super Bowls and probably deservedly, but there were other Patriots. Now he did it with the Bucks, so that doesn't even involve Belichick. But how hard is it in football when we're trying to figure out what we want to collect, the aspect of team success? I, I still think the number one factor is winning. Like you've got to win, you've got to uh, compete for a title at least, and and the ones who do are typically the ones who get the most attention. When the playoffs start, all eyeballs are on those teams and those players. But and you can go back to your position ranking list 
where it's easiest for the quarterback to separate him from his team because a quarterback can pass for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, but not even make the playoffs, but they, they can still be, you know, pretty popular in the hobby, but you go down the list of players. Yeah. I mean, at the bottom of the list is offensive linemen. There are no stats for offensive linemen, <laughs> even defensive linemen. The, the, the stats are tackles, sacks and tackles for loss. And those just aren't very sensational. So it's a, a lot harder for them, but I, I, I still think that is a major fact, winning a title or at least competing for a title and, and performing well in the postseason when all the attention is on you. It's very difficult, especially in football, because there are so many specialized positions where in basketball, all of the stats still apply. Points per game, assists per game, rebounds, blocks. The, the center isn't going to have as many assists as the point guard, but in football, it's very specialized. So it, it's difficult, but it depends on what position you're playing. For example, we got Matthew Stafford, now uh, no longer a lion, and Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Okay, yeah. Both those guys, I think, are Hall of Famers, but they didn't go anywhere in the playoff. They had some comeback wins. They have some great highlights. But they're not held in as high esteem as they would be if they'd been Patriots. So I, I think the Lions were not considered back in those days a well-run organization. I don't know that they were fielding right. teams that were playoff caliber. And so Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson perhaps are being downgraded in the eyes of the hobby. That's my point. Probably. Yeah, I'd say so. and, and sticking with Lions, Barry Sanders is probably the epitome of, of that example. I, I, I think he only played a couple of playoff games, but people still regard him as arguably the greatest runner of all time, <laughs> or cer- certainly one of the most talented and, and dynamic, and he's still a legend. And deservedly so. What a great positive note to end on. <laughs> Barry Sanders, and he went out, he didn't go out on top, Super Bowl to top, but he went out with being able to not be... Uh, unhealthy and 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 to go out in his own terms he was amazing to watch college and pro so david lee coach david lee.com uh, thanks for sharing your expertise and your uh, gentle questions for me not too tough we were on the same page which i wasn't expecting but that was fun <laughs> so thanks listeners thanks everybody be back again tomorrow with another episode the man in the house of Doing.